He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. This evening, I pray that anything that opposes the word of God will be brought down. I pray that deliverance will be declared to captives. I pray that the poor will have good news preached unto them. I ask that the brokenhearted will be bound, O God, and that the acceptable year of the Lord will be proclaimed this evening. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You are the teacher, you are the guide, and you are the counselor. Thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'd like to congratulate you on your daughter. You can make it 2003. I think that it's been very well planned and it's been very varied and spiced. Amen. And we thank all of you who put in all that you did and also your able elders. I think that they have pulled off a good program. They deserve an applause. You know, people ask, why women's meetings? And I have to keep on reminding us that, you see, man was made directly from the soil. You know, but we were taken from the side of man. And so that makes us a bit refined. And it gives us a certain fine texture that we just come into life with. You see, so when you are straight from the ground, you will be strong and muscular and a bit. But when you are taken from the side of man, you can feel. You can appreciate certain things. You can um, be sentimental sometimes. And you can appreciate the fine things of life. You see, before we came, the whole creation, including man, was waiting for us. God had to put everything in place before he released his masterpiece. Why do you think that in the Bible it says that dwell with them according to knowledge? In order to live with us, you have to go to the university. You have to go to a place of higher learning so that you can appreciate the fine things of life. At no other time does God tell anybody to dwell with anybody according to knowledge. But because we are not just easy to look at and say, oh, this is a balloon, this is a... You know, you have to learn and study and acquire knowledge before you can live with us. It is not because we are complicated. 
but it's because we are fine. And as much as we were taken from the side of man, God said that it was not good that man should be alone. Without us, God's creation is never perfect. No matter what a man can achieve and what he can do, without us, God could not sleep. And when God released his creation, the woman, he didn't have any more problems. He didn't say it's not good anymore. He said that I have given Adam a help meet. Without us, Adam's functioning was a bit, you know, incomplete. So when Adam woke up from his sleep, he said, Woo, man. He says, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Amen. Amen. And I am glad that I'm a woman. I would not like to be a man. I'm glad that I can cry when I'm upset. I'm, cry- I'm glad that I can be in love. And have very warm feelings. I'm glad that I'm not easily attracted to women in pictures that I don't know. But I'm a relationship person. I mean, sometimes a Chinese woman somewhere with a flimsy dress, I don't find it easy to, I mean, get connected or attracted to her. I have to know you and build a relationship because I'm a woman. I'm glad that I am the one who carries a baby in the womb and nurtures the baby. I'm glad that when I go to the doctor for antenatal and they put the scanity on my husband's stomach, there'll be nothing there. (laughs) When they put it on mine, they'll see life because I'm a nurturer and a giver of life. And I'm grateful to God for that. Amen. And as much as it is said that all the problems in life were brought about by Eve. And that, that is why when God came, he asked Eve, what is this that you have done? Because God could see all the complications of betrayal, heartache, cancer, ulcer, diseases, poverty. But through Mary also came salvation for the whole world. The Bible says that the angel came to Mary and said, Blessed are you amongst women and that you are going to conceive of something which is of the Holy Spirit. So even though I I might have made my mistakes as Eve, God is a God of a second chance. And God released a Mary. And that is why we are all sitting here this evening. So yes, I may have made my mistakes as Eve, as Sarah, as whatever. But thank God that in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And sometimes he withdraws me from active service so that he can release me at another time as a better product, as a better creation of God. Amen. And so I want you to celebrate your womanhood. And do not ask God that, me at all. Why did you make me? A woman. Rather, he gives you the spice of life. Your life is varied. You can do your hair different styles. But when a man cuts his hair, he will have it for months. 
We can have it short, we can have it medium, we can have it long. We can, I mean, we, we know how to live and to celebrate life. And when men are dressing, it's always shirt and trousers, shirt and trousers, shirt and trousers. But we can wear kaba, we can wear skirt, we can even wear the shirt and trousers that they wear. Because our lives are so full of variety and we can celebrate life. Amen. So rejoice that God has made you a woman. And don't let anybody tell you that you are inferior because you are a woman. You are not inferior, you are just different. Amen. And everything that doesn't have a head is a freak. So if you get married and you have a head, God gave you a head to protect your own interest. Amen. Amen. And it is beautiful to submit. Hallelujah. Okay, this evening I want to speak to you about the wholesome woman. The wholesome woman. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Thessalonians. Some of you know your course books, but you don't know the Bible. Thessalonians is in the New Testament. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Amen. Amen. Now Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica and he says, I pray God that your whole, you'll be sanctified, your whole spirit, your whole soul and your whole body will be sanctified unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. Amen. Now many times I find that as women, we always say that Jesus is Lord, or even as Christians, and we always sing that he is Lord, he is Lord. Sometimes, or oftentimes, Jesus is Lord of our spirits, He's Lord sometimes of our bodies, but when it comes to our soul, Jesus may not be the Lord. Amen. Amen. What does it mean when it says when it comes to our soul? Our soul is made up of our mental faculties or our minds. Our will, I will do this, like we saw in the sketch. I will not allow you to go this far with me in the relationship. It is the will. And that is also part of the soul. And another part of the soul are our emotions. And so your will, your intellect, and your emotions, all of that goes to make our souls. And we are all born again. And Jesus wants to be the Lord of our spirits. Not just the Lord of our spirits, but the Lord of our souls. Not just the Lord of our souls, but the Lord of our bodies. Now many times we just sing this song or we feel that we are born again, so it means that all these three aspects of our lives are complete. But I realize that as women, most of our battles are in the soul area. The area of our emotions. The area of our will. The area of how our minds work. If you come to the academic side, we may, be, we may match up to any man or even be better. 
But after we have learned sometimes, when we have to take certain decisions that will change our lives, that will take us forward or backward, then a problem arises as to the way we are going to allow our minds to work. Now, there are certain negative emotions that most women grapple with. Usually, some of these emotions are unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, disappointment, discouragement, depression. Somebody said the three Ds. Depression, anxiety, fear, and worry. These are some of the things that come our way. And also when we are rejected, we feel the spirit of rejection more than I think the average man feels. So even though we are born again, when these emotions come up, we are not able to control them or make Jesus the Lord of our souls. But Paul writing said that, I pray to God that your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body will be sanctified unto the coming of the Lord. And then he says to us that faithful is he who promised, who also would do it. Why? Because to, to take charge of our emotions, to take charge of the soulish area of our lives, we need God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit before we can master these areas of our lives. Amen. Now, what is it that drives us to be so filled with fear? Sometimes we are afraid of the things that we do not know. Fear of the unknown. Sometimes we fear what has been. In my family, I have five sisters, somebody would say, and they are all divorced. So I have a hidden fear. I mean, I'm saying somebody would say that. I have a hidden fear because I am the sixth girl. And I fear that the same thing is going to happen to me. When I was young, I saw my aunt heartbroken, another person would say. And she even ended up in the mental hospital. So when I'm in a relationship, I'm always afraid that I will lose the person or that things will not go well because I have seen it happen before. And these are the things that feed our minds and our emotions and it leads us into a place of fear. Now the Bible says in the book of Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. These are God's promises. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is not a mental state. Fear is a spirit. And if you allow Satan in, he will drive you to a place that you never imagined that you would be. Anxiety is panicking about something that has not yet happened. Many times as women, there are things in our lives that have not happened. Maybe even yesterday when I, I preached, you suddenly thought, is it possible that I would marry and then have problems with childbirth? I'm sure it will happen. I'm 
sure it is going to be my lot. Is it possible to marry and be happy? I wonder. The way they see the marriage is not. I don't think. The way I see my mother and my father and my mother crying every day. I've decided not to marry. Or even if I get into a relationship, I've decided not to flow. I will flow to a point. But to give my whole heart to a guy, to trust him fully. What happened to my mother may happen to me. And all those things build up strongholds in our lives. And it comes in such a subtle way that we are not expecting it. And we don't know that by giving in to just one of those thoughts, a little boy moves in and then opens all the windows for the major thieves to come in and do a good job. Sometimes we battle with disappointment. Disappointment comes about when you have an expectation that is not met. I have been to the mental hospital and in the female side, it is always filled with women who are heartbroken. Women who have been disappointed by men. They are not filled by women who are drug addicts. Those are very, very few, minimal or almost inexistent. But usually, by the time you get to the gate of a mental hospital, they are saying, John, John, James, James, in a dazed fashion. Because when John spoke to them, they took his every word as if it was the word of God, which cannot be broken. And they built all their hopes and their expectations of the joy and the happiness that was ahead. Now, as time went on, John became something they did not expect. John robbed them of all their happiness. And then they even began to hear that they had rivals elsewhere. And because we have not learned to have our anchor in Christ, we get to a place where we either become alcoholics or we become people with two personalities. Sometimes we are besides ourselves and sometimes we are normal. But all those things are demonic activities that God has not planned for us. Because we do not master our emotions, we are led into unhealthy relationships that do not help us. So that sometimes when we, we are in a relationship and John says, I'm leaving you like Temi was saying here. We feel that if he leaves us, number one, it means that we were not up to a certain mark. Number two, if he goes for somebody else, it means that that person is better than we are. And we grapple with all these feelings of inadequacy. And we hold on. And we say, John, I know you are not interested in the relationship. You may not love me, but I still want to hold on. And sometimes we are abused and we are mistreated. And emotionally, we are abused. Emotional abuse is when the person should treat you in a certain way emotionally. He just treats you anyway. You go to his room and he's packing his books. Oh, John, have you not seen that I've come to visit you? Well, I have a lecture. I mean, the person treats you anyhow. So, okay, you have a lecture. Okay, I'll come back after the lecture. You have lost all your dignity. Because you feel that if he's to walk out today, your life will come to pieces. But it is all a lie of the enemy. Amen. Yeah. God
God will not share his throne with anybody. And therefore, God will not allow you to put on the throne of your life a man with all his limitations. No matter who a man is, he can make mistakes. No matter who he is, he can take the wrong decisions and the wrong turns. Are you going to allow that to feed to you that because of that there's something wrong with you? He's also a man just like you. But we do that and we are treated anyhow. And sometimes we try to buy love by providing things, sessioning the boy so that he will not leave you. But if a relationship is built on the things you give him, it's just because you fear that you will be rejected. But this evening, you will be liberated in the area of your soul. And you will come to a place where you will be in charge of your emotions, of your will, and of your intellect. You are in a relationship, you know the word of God. But the guy will say to you, if you love me, demonstrate it. And because of that emotional attachment, you say to yourself, I look at Jesus, I look at Peter, I will obey Peter. And then you bow down to Peter so that he won't go. And unfortunately, after he has done all that he wants to do, he will go. And as if that is not enough, you are in N1, he will come for a beloved from N2. And you will be grappling. What are people thinking? Public opinion. As I walk in the middle, a lot of people are thinking that Peter has left me. And let them think. What does it matter? Why should that change the course of your life? But that is how we are. We have what you call a fish hook heart, as Bishop would say. He says that in the medical school, there are different types of stomachs. And some people eat and they have a fish hook stomach. So when they eat, the food goes like this. So you don't see that they are growing fat, but they are really eating. And we women have fish hook hearts. Because when you hurt us, it's difficult for us to forget. The same emotion that helps us to be in love is the same emotion that makes it difficult for us to say that I will let it go and I've forgiven you. We meditate on the bad experiences as if it is the word of God. And he did this and he said this. And we think that based on the magnitude of the pain, we are justified to hold bitterness and unforgiveness in us. But the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest there be in any of you the root of bitterness which will trouble you and defile others. What happens is that the root of bitterness is a root. It goes deep down. It has gone even beyond unforgiveness. It has shattered your life and your dreams and you have now moved into a bitter state. When you move into a bitter state, you become obsessed with your problem. Your problem becomes like a god, an idol, a monument. And your other areas of life, whether they are going well or not, are not affected. Because all that you are seeing is that area that to you has never been complete. And then the devil moves in with a spirit of obsession and oppression. And you cannot be free. Now I want us to recognize that when all these things are coming, they are not of God. 
and that they are actually demonic situations. And I want to show you how Satan operates such that we cannot be free. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke 8. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out unto the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them, and he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the head ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Amen. Now I want you to notice certain characteristics about this man because that is exactly how the devil operates. The Bible says when Jesus went forth, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time. Some of the things that I've mentioned this evening, some of us have lived with it a long time. And even though we are Christians, we have even forgotten that there can be a life of peace and a life of rest. We are used to worrying. We are used to being afraid. We are used to fear. We are used to bitterness. We are used to anger. We are used to unforgiveness. This thing that she has done, I will never forget. Or when you want to do it better, I will forgive, but I will not forget. This thing that she has done, it hurts me so much, even the pain could kill me. And because of that, I am going to preserve myself. I am going to take care of myself so that nobody would do this to me again. He had dwelt with devils a long time. He wore no clothes, neither abode he in any house, but in the tombs. When we allow our emotions to rule us instead of the Spirit of God or the Word of God, what happens is that we abide in places. We do not abide in the house of God. We do not abide in the presence of God, but we abide in tombs and other places. We abide in places where there's death and there's no life. Places where we cannot progress or enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised to us. We dwell among tombs. And the devil will never let you see. We feel that the serious sins are fornication and all that. 
But as for pride and unforgiveness and bitterness, they even look like diplomatic sins. And it cannot be that there's anything wrong with them. But Jesus never said that if you fornicate and you pray, I'll never hear you. But he said that if you do not forgive and you pray, I will never forgive you. And so what God sees is not always the way we see it. Of course, God does not condone fornication. But the, the importance he places on different things are different. He says, if you will not forgive and you are bitter, don't even waste your time to come before my throne. Don't waste your time to even worship me about anything. But when you fornicate, come and ask for forgiveness and I will forgive you. Amen. Amen. And so this man wore no clothes and did not abide in the house but in the tombs. When the devil has finished with you, he will lead you to a place of shame. If you allow him, he can lead you to a place where you become like an animal and not a man. You only have to go to the mental hospital. You only have to go to places where women have become alcoholics. And sometimes how other people react to it is they just become wild. They become very promiscuous. So now I don't owe anybody. I don't have any meaningful relationship. I just live anyhow. The Bible says that when he saw Jesus, he cried and fell down before him. Tonight, if we will cry and fall down before him and seek him, many strongholds in our lives will be broken. Amen. Now, verse 29 says that the man was bound with chains. And he was in fetters. And he broke the bands. And he was driven by the devil into the wilderness. Beloved, if you allow your emotions or the area of your soul to be the Lord of your lives, it will bind you up in chains and fetters. It will limit the joy that you can have out of this life. Let me promise you that many people will disappoint you. Let me promise you that many people will betray you. Let me promise you that the people you think you did your best for will turn against you. It is part of life. Disappointment, betrayal, they are part of life. The Bible says that you are not greater than your master. When I first became a Christian, I thought that everybody in the fellowship, everybody in the church was perfect. And so whenever I heard that something had happened in the body of Christ, God, how can that be? It's strange. Is it possible? But the church is made up of imperfect people who will only be perfected when Jesus Christ comes. Amen. The Bible says that in this body we groan, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. So I have news for you. If you think that you are always going to live in a contractual form, when you do this, then I'll also reciprocate. When you are good, I'll be good to you. When you are this, then I'll be... It doesn't work that way. And if you allow Satan, he will drive you. And he will bind you with chains. And when you get to that demonic place, you are no longer in control. An evil spirit is in control and it drives you. You see, there are many examples of fear in the Bible. Lot's children, we don't have time to read them. When they came out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they said that their father has been preserved by God. But if we look, there's no man around us. 
The only man is our father, so let's make him drunk and let him sleep with us so that we will have children and we will have an offspring. We want to be in control ourselves. And so we choose all the seeming shortcuts so that we will preserve our own lives. In fact, the reason why we do that is that we cannot trust God enough. God says that he's our shepherd, but in our hearts and in our experience, we don't think so. Like the disciples, when Jesus was on the boat and the storm came, and Jesus was asleep, they went under the boat and they woke him up. The book of Mark even adds that he was asleep on a pillow. He was really at rest. And do you know what they asked him? They said, carest not thou that we perish. And many times, we don't say it with our lips, but in our hearts, we say, do you really care about the pain I'm going through? Do you really care about the situation at home? Do you really care about the heartache? Do you really care about my future and what I'm going through emotionally? Does it matter to you, God? I don't think so. So I have to make my own way. But Jesus did not say that, why is there a storm? Because he was at rest, because he knew that no matter the storm, he was able to quell it. But we as human beings are afraid of the storms. And we don't want them to come at all. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I am in the storm. And if I'm in the storm, nothing bad will happen to you. But I'll be the first person to tell you that it's not an easy place to come to. The Bible says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many of us can rest in the Lord? We are driven. We are chained. We are bound by fetters. Some of us will never trust a man. And therefore, we will always have insecurity in our relationships. When your beloved comes and says, where are you from? Eh? So you pass this person's room before you came. Why are you coming? The person is surprised. Why all this barrage of questions? But it's because of the way your mind and your emotions are functioning. That as for men, you know, one of my mother's friends said, a man should never be a pillow that you rest your head on. It should be a rock so that every day you take your head away because the moment you think that it's a pillow, something bad is going to happen. And we hear all these cliches around us and it shapes our thinking and it shapes our expectations. And the devil drove the man into the wilderness, a place where nothing grows. A place where nothing thrives. You cannot have wholesome relationships because you are driven by something that you are not controlling. As soon as a situation occurs, your emotions sense the, the waves around, the wavelength, and immediately you react. Some of us, we cry so easily over everything. Some of us lose our tempers so easily. Anything small, we say, you don't know who I am. Or when we are describing to our friends what happened, we say, you know me. I gave it to her without batting an eyelid. But we must come to that place where our emotions is not, are not our Lord. Amen. Amen. And Jesus asked, what is thy name? He said, legion, because we are many. None of these emotional 
challenges and evil spirits come as one. Usually they enter as one, but they go and bring others. Can you not see that the Bible says that when a demon leaves a place and the place is not filled with good things, the demon goes to look for seven more cousins, more wicked than himself, to come there. Some of us as women have been abused by close family relations. Some of us cannot forgive our parents, especially our fathers when we are girls, for the heartaches that they have brought along our mother's path. And we move into the place of arbiter and judge. And we say in our hearts that daddy is guilty. And so when he comes home and he's trying to flow, we are not flowing because he is somewhere. But God has called us to love that which is not lovely. He says that it is the unbelievers who love the people who love them. And that if you love somebody who loves you, what have you done? But if you love your enemies, bless them that curse you. I tell you, it's not easy. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That is what Jesus said. Sometimes some people are so somewhere, even when you are dry, God, they are somewhere. But the Bible says, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you fail not. Tonight, God wants to restore broken relationships. You think that your father is at fault, but you don't know the whole picture. You see, sometimes major beasts occur in the bedroom. And you, the child, you see only what your mother tells you. But as you grow up later, you will appreciate that there's a balance in the equation. And there's a balance in what happened. And no matter what it is, he's your father. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Some of you, your fathers did not look after you. Some of you, they even rejected you and said, she's not my daughter. And then after that, the person wants me to love him, this one says, Mommy, even God understands. But the Bible says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. The reason why God wants to deal with your bitterness and your forgiveness, your unforgiveness, is to set you free. It's not because he feels that what the other person is doing is right, or that he's just condoning it, but he doesn't want you to come to the place of fetters and chains. And he doesn't want the demons to drive you into a wilderness, a place of always being afraid, a place of always expecting the bad. That is not where God wants you to be. He wants you to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water so that you will bear your fruit in your season. But if you allow Satan, he will compel you and he will drive you. And that is what brings um, demon influence. A believer, it is believed, cannot be demon-possessed because you are a child of God. But you can be obsessed and oppressed by demons. Satan will sit on you and oppress you. But tonight, every chain will be broken. Amen. And the Lord will set us free. Amen. Now, even the demons asked Jesus that he would not send them out into the country. And he would not send them out like that, but he would send them into somebody. The most comfortable place for the devil is in a human life. He's always looking for somewhere to inhabit. 
but usually in a human being. And because of that, some people say they don't eat pork because uh, devils entered the pigs. But those were the pigs in Gadara. These are pigs in Ghana. Two different things. Amen. They besought him that he would not command them to go out. It is not easy to walk the way of freedom. It is not easy to just decide, oh, I'm not going to be anxious anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. Oh, I'm going to... It's going to be a fight. And that's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, not kindness and generosity, but spiritual wickedness where? In high places. But thank God for the greater one. Sometimes some things are carried through generations. And sometimes even some pain we are not able to overcome. Some of our mothers have carried all their bitter experiences. When they sit down with us, hmm, the things I've seen in this life, what your father did, he did this and he, hmm, that's for men, and they make a philosophy out of it. And they pass it on to us. And we too will remain faithful to the call and pass it on to our children. And therefore, Satan knows how to perpetuate all that he wants to perpetuate. They besought him that he would not command them to go out. I mean, the audacity, they were begging Jesus that, please, we would not like to go out, we would like to stay here. You see, many years ago in Kolebu, we were having a prayer meeting. <clears throat> and the one sister who was one of the main people just fell down. So we thought, well, maybe it's a move of the Holy Spirit or... But after the prayer meeting, she still wasn't coming around. We decided to take her, at that time, Bishop was still a medical student, a medical student hostel. Excuse me. When we got there, we began to pray with her. She was able to walk and everything, so we began to pray with her, and it happened again. And then Bishop asked her, what is your name? We knew her name. He asked, what is your name? Then comes this loud voice, ha, 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 ha. I'm fear, I'm lust, and I'm confusion. And I'm here. The spirit of fear, come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure that I should come out? Bishop said, come out in Jesus' name. The devil was proving a bit. So he said, let's just praise God in tongues. He and I, and then this is the then the sisters will make. So we started to speak in tongues and praise God. You see, whatever the devil, the Bible says is true. When we started to do that, the girl just became restless. No, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. And so I learned that some of the things in the Bible, they look like fairy tales or God is just telling us nice things. But they are real in the realm of the spirit. Stop it, stop it, stop it, I'll come out. I'll say, I'll come out. The spirit of fear, come out. I said, I have been here a long time. And this has been my house. You want me to come out and go where? Bishop said, you will come out in Jesus' name. Okay, okay, you stop the praises, I'll come out. You know? So, we said, okay, come out in Jesus' name. Bishop said, you will come out, I'll come out. So when you come out, where will you go? 
Bishop said, you will not go into Sister Adelaide. And then the demon said, ha, ha, are you sure? And in those days, even a cockroach, I was afraid. Of everything, I was afraid. And in my own life, I had seen so many things that were not encouraging. I had so many brothers, and within the space of five minutes, they'll be talking to different girlfriends at different times. Oh, you wanted to come, eh? My mommy had sent me here. My mom sent me. So make you come to the... Then they'll call this one. Okay, you can come at three. I'll be here. The same person who says he won't be there, but he would have gone out. Something else was happening. One time, an elderly man I, I respected so much, I went to a place and I asked to use the phone, and the man was on the phone. I didn't know. When I picked the other phone, he was seriously talking to his girlfriend. And this was a relation of mine that for a child, you know, I thought, this was a perfect uncle that I, a perfect human being. So to hear that, I couldn't believe it. I said that was not enough. There were times when, you know, I was very little. So one day I was with an older cousin, and I kept telling him, oh, give me Milo to chew. And he kept saying, no, go away, I'll not give you. So I went to hide under his bed. And whilst I was under his bed, which was part of the house, I saw that the maid came and something big time happened. And this, my cousin, was the one through whom I had come to know Christ. He was the president of the SU of his time. And I was so broken. Now how to come out of under this, from under this bed? My sister used to say, that's for you. You always find the action spot and you are there. So I waited for a while, and when she left, I came out. Then my uncle said, hey, what can I give you? I said, give me Milo, give me sweets, give me things. But I was still confused as a child, and I saw so many double values. But I wondered that, ah, it's life like that. Somebody I knew so closely married her best man. That also threw me off. Because I knew the best man, I knew the best man's wife, and they were good friends. So to see that, and even a child came into it, all those things made me feel that life was very imperfect. So by the time I was ready to come to Legon, I told my sister, as for me, I'm going to be a missionary. I'm not going to marry. I'm going to be a missionary. And if I stay in Ghana, people will say, but this is this baby's daughter at all. Why didn't she marry this? So I'll go to China. <laughs> but that time, there were no missionaries being sent out. In fact, there were hardly any churches. And so I used to ask people, don't you know of anything that is like, you know, the way nuns are, but it's more charismatic or more evangelical. Nobody knew. So by the time I entered Legon, the people were getting beloved, October rush, and I'll chat with people. But as soon as you start to say something, my mind is not even there. And my mother had told me that her father had worked so much for my grandmother and married her. But when he married her, ah, it wasn't easy. And so whenever I see a man kneeling down and crying and saying that I love you, it's a sure sign of a phony person. So I should never believe it. Lo and behold, I came to first year. 
And there was a guy in my class, and he came one night and said, Lady, you know, you've been helping me, and, and I think I'm in love with you. This is an unbeliever. I said, in love with me? He said, oh, yes, it's very intense, it's very real, it's very... And he knelt down. As soon as he knelt down, my scanners went. I said, oh, this one is over. I said, oh, please get up. What is this kneeling down? Because of the way I feel for you. So, once I see the kneeling down that my mother has told me about, ah, there's no chance. And you know, the guy told me, you, if you don't give in, I will still marry a Christian one day. I will marry a believer, even though I'm not a believer. Which believer will marry you? But as time went on, after I had gotten married, after five years or so, I met him. And he was with the worship leader of the church I used to be in. That is now his wife. He is not a Christian. So his prophecy has come to pass. And up to now, he's not a Christian. My friend has gone back to church. He's really serving the Lord. And I glow until now. So as I looked at all these things, I said, oh, but why do people enter relationships? So my roommate, she had a marriage notebook. When she reads the book, then she will make notes. Love must be worked at. Love must be this. Hey, so I come to the room, I say, so you are taking notes on love and marriage. And hey, so you will get a beloved very early. And she did. And when she got the beloved, something, 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 then they broke up. All in the same fellowship. But hey, people are worrying themselves. I just used to look, like, look at this one, how she's crying. Look at this one, how she's confused. Look at this one, how she's crying. It's not a good thing. And when I met Bishop, I felt so safe. Because I used to tell him, I'm not going to get married. I'm going to be a missionary. And he would say, oh, hey, meet your mind in 20 years' time. So I said, oh, that's great. There can be a flow because the person has no agenda. But when I met the right man, different things began to happen. And then the man who was going to marry in 20 years' time now had a beloved. Amen. And I thank God for that. But I'm saying that because of that, I realized that I had to shed off so many of my patterns of thinking and my expectations. You know, so when he first proposed to me, and then he said, Do you love me? I said, I love you. He said, Tell me that you love this. Hey, I have not told anybody such a phrase before. I am now going to tell a man that I love him. It means I've lost something. So I couldn't say it. I said, oh, but you know. Tell me. I said, I can't say it. You won't believe it. And then he said, okay, write it. So now I wrote it. I wrote it for some time before I started to say it. And now, oh. I say it with ease. But I'm saying that all these things lead us into strongholds. And you don't even know that your life is being shaped by all these things. But when we had that demonic session that the devil said, are you sure? I said, my God, this thing must go. I cannot live with fear and say, oh, it's nothing. You are afraid of this. You are afraid of that. It cannot be a normal way of living. And the one bishop said, you will not go into Adelaide. He said, yeah, yeah, okay, if you say so, I'll not go. So where will you go? He said, I will go to Mr. Quincy and consent surgical ward room three. Yes, room three, and he mentioned the floor. I tell you, that was my first demonic session. It was an eye-opener. And I saw that all the things that the Bible says are real. 
And all the things that we feel that are darling things, like something that we play with, lead us actually into bondages and things that we should not allow to rule us. I thought that this Mr. Christian person probably was sick on the ward and was probably wondering if things would be well. He said, I, I have the house there. Uh-huh. He said, I used to have the tape of the whole session. And I would place, hey, Sylvia, I have the house there, so I have a place to go to. I will be going to surgical ward, room three, third floor, second floor, something like that. Bishop said, you will not go there. You will go into the sea or something like that. And then that spirit was cast out. As soon as those three spirits were cast out, the girl came back to Norma. Sister Mami, why am I here? What am I doing here? A totally different person. When the devil takes over, he takes over your personality and everything else. And he begins to rule as if he is the Lord of your life. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me clearly at that time. And said that that is why I said that I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, um, of a sound mind, and what else? And of power. And he said, that, can you not see that the three spirits in the girl were lust, which is the opposite of love. Confusion, which is the opposite of a sound mind. And then fear, which is the opposite of power. I couldn't believe it. So you think you are letting in the spirit of fear, but it comes in three components. And the reason why God gives you the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind is so that you can counteract the spirit of fear. Now, when the evil spirits came out of a man and ran into the head, the Bible says that they ran violently down a steep cliff. That was the nature of the demons that were dwelling in the man. And sometimes, if you don't take care, they will drive you to suicide and to death. And if you have a melancholic temperament, you are likely to get there faster. And you will be saying, this life at all, what is it about? Is it worth living? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much disappointment? Melancholics, they can even watch the news and feel that it's doomsday. You know, and all those things lead you not to lead the abundant life that Christ has called you to. Now, in the area of unforgiveness and bitterness, you know, the Bible says in 2 Peter 2.21, I believe, that Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who was more maltreated than Joseph in the Bible? His reputation as to whether he slept with Potiphar's wife or not was never corrected as far as we know in the Bible. But some of us would have fought when we became second president to show that actually this thing that happened, I never did it. And we are so consumed with what other people think about us that we never get to know who we really are and celebrate who we really are. Joseph suffered betrayal. But when the brothers came, he didn't say yes. Now the Lord has made me president so that I will oppress you. And you will see that he said that what you meant for evil, God has turned it for good. It doesn't matter what a person means, whether it's evil, witchcraft, juju. God is the one who turns it into good. Whatever the person needs to do, whether it's to break your marriage, break your life, whatever it is. Joseph said, you meant it for evil. The evil intentions of a man don't matter. The evil intentions of a man do not change God's dreams and God's promises concerning your life. But whatever is meant for evil, 
almighty God is able to turn around for your good. And then Joseph had two children. He named one Manasseh and he named the other one Ephraim. He said, Manasseh, because God has made me to forget. There are certain things you've gone through, you don't see how you will forget. There's divine help. God will make you to forget. Not yourself, but God. And Ephraim means, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. In the place where you think you've had trouble. In the place where you think you've had brokenness. In the place where you think you've had disappointment. God will make you fruitful. He will use all of it for your own good. So don't resent God. Don't be in strife with God because your father rejected you, your father didn't look after you, because of all the bad experiences you have been through. Just know that even though it looks bad to you, the architect of your life is actually Jesus Christ. And he says that all things work together for good. If we were Joseph, we would not see how all things work together for good. Because your life would be like on a roller coaster. Your brothers send you and sell you into slavery. And then you get to Potiphar's house, you get promotion. And just when you think the dawn is breaking, Potiphar's wife lies about you. Then you go to jail and then you interpret people's dreams. Just when you feel that the dawn is breaking, the butler forgets about you for two years and you are there. But when God sends for you, it takes only a day. Suffering endures sometimes. Weeping may endure for a while and for the night, but joy will certainly come. And if you can only come to that place where you learn to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, your own calculations, your own deductions, your own historic references, your own statistics. Those are your own understandings. And God knew that it would be easy to lean on them. That's why it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own insights even. Sometimes you think you have insight into the problem. If only you were to do this and to do this, this will happen. But God says, don't depend on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You see, our wisdom is limited. And if we had to bless Joseph, we would not take him through all that pain. But God knows best. And God knows that your pain will not kill you. You will survive beyond that pain. And so some of you who are angry with God, release him tonight. Like the sister who failed her exam. It's true that you feel that God has disappointed you. But know that there was nobody in the Bible who didn't come to a time when he would ask if his faith was genuine or real. Why do you think Abraham had a child with Hagar? Because he couldn't see God for some time. And he said that you give me no heir but Eliezer from Damascus. This Eliezer, that's what you give me. Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Because he didn't see that Isaac was possible. Sarah had been faithful for a while, but later she said, look, take my maid. It seems God is delaying in what he said he would do. And our flesh suffers so much. And we think that it has taken so many years. But whatever you do yourself will not stand. But whatever God does, it stands forever. No man can take from it and no man can add to it. And just a little to say about the mind before I end. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think about these things. 
Many of us think about injustices, things that have been done against us that are wrong. If you meditate on that, it will not lead you to a good place. That's why it says, whatsoever things are just, some of us say, oh, the things, they are true. They are true. Are they honest? They are honest. Are they pure? They are pure. Are they just? The thing that the person did to you, was it a just thing? Is it lovely? Maybe it may be just, honest, all this, but is it lovely? Is it of good report? Something that you should share? If it doesn't pass through this litmus test, then dump it and think of all the good things. You know, when your mind is leading you to depression, begin to praise God. Begin to look in your life for all the positive things that you can find. And begin to lift your hands and say, Lord, I'm not so content about this area of my life, but when I look, I can see that you have blessed me. I have seen this area, this area, this area, this area. I see that your blessings are manifold. And God, because your blessings are manifold, I'm going to trust you. The mind is the battlefield. The mind is the most potent organ, if not one of the most potent that we have in our lives. And God doesn't say that, let your mind wander anyhow. Daughter, bring your mind into subjection. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says that we cast down imaginations and any high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Anything that brings a contrary view to you about your knowledge of God, cast it down. Don't dwell on it. Don't say that me, I'm the meditating kind. If you meditate on it, it will enter your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Diligence means hard work. Diligence means you will expend energy. Diligence means you will fight sometimes. It didn't just say guard your heart, but it says guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The Bible says in Romans 12 also that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So if you want your thinking to change, you first of all have to discipline your thoughts. You see, Kenneth Hagin often says that you cannot stop a bird from flying over your head. But you can stop it from making a nest in your head. So sometimes the thoughts will come to you and they will tempt you, oh, don't you think that your dad, this thing that he did was... Satan, I've committed it all to God and it's none of my business meditating on it. And as you do that, the stronghold over your mind will be broken. That is why the verse I quoted from 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says that, that it cuts, um, our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The things that have been with you a long time, the things that have been with you from infancy, the things that have been with you since a year ago, the things that have been with you for a decade, the Bible says that those strongholds can be pulled down. When you cast down every imagination and every high thing, that lifts up itself above the knowledge of God. Now, if you are going to renew your mind, you've got to go to the Bible. You see, we are born which says that have no anxiety. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. First Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him, because he cares about you. 
So when Satan says, Satan, you want me to worry about my school fees? You want me to worry about my broken relationship? You want me to worry about my unstable family life between my parents? Look, I cast all my care upon him because he cares about me. He knows how to get me there. I don't know how to get there, but God knows how to get me there. And when you want to feel very cute, just say to Satan, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth me beside still waters. He leads me even in the valley of death. But because he's with me, I will not be afraid. Satan, my emotions may be like I'm feeling like fear, but I'm not going to let it become a stronghold. I'm going to identify you and deal with you there and then. That is why I say that it's important to know the word. It's important to go into the word. It's important to allow the word to change us. It is the only way. If you go to a doctor, he says, take this malaria medicine twice daily. I test on it, one in the afternoon and one in the morning or whenever. And then you decide, oh, I'd like to take all the 20 now, or the 10, or the 5. Okay, I'll divide it into two so that I take it for only two days. It won't work. Or I'll take one and forget about the rest of the days. In the same way, Jesus is your physician. And he's giving you a prescription for the strongholds and the problems and the demonic holds over your life. And you've got to take the word of God like medicine and apply it three times a day or whenever you have an attack. You take the Bible and you say it over and over again to yourself. Why? Because the Bible says in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. Why did God say day and night? Because the attacks are day and night. The bombardments are day and night. So if you do not meditate upon it day and night, you will go under. But if you meditate on it, the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, will fight for you. And it will give you a peace that you do not know about. Now the next thing is walk by faith and not by sight. The circumstances may look like how they are. The feelings may be the way they are. What you see and what you hear may be contrary to what you wish were the case. But the Bible has said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. It has also said that the just shall live by his faith, not by his senses or by what he feels, but by his faith. Somebody said that to be successful in your marriage, you have to have a deaf and a dumb spirit. You don't have to see everything. You don't have to hear everything. Because sometimes if your husband is in a bad mood, he will bring all the pressure on you. You haven't done anything. You just ask something. The person is under stress. And then you just be facing, ah, me too, I'll face you back. No. You become like you don't have ears. And when it has passed, then the person doesn't even know how to flow with you. It's like I've been some way. So we walk by faith not by sight. The just shall live by faith. That is the way God has prescribed. If you are going to look at everything with a natural eye and follow everything with your natural senses the way you feel, it will never come to pass. There is nobody in the Bible whose faith God did not stretch. Everybody had contrary situations. Even Jesus and his disciples, the storms were raging. Peter, when Jesus said, come over the water, the Bible says he began to sink and he said, save me, O Lord. And when you call save me, he helps you wherever you are at. Amen. Amen. So let's make it our aim that we are going to live by faith. We are not going to live by what we see. We are not going to live by how we feel. 
Because God gave us our emotions to be a blessing. So that we will know when we are in love. And we say, mm, the question that you asked me last, I say. <laughs> and it gives you emotions so that when you are not interested, like Frida said, nothing about the person, you know. That this person, I'm not attracted to you at all. God gave us our emotions so that when there's danger, the, the, the emotion of fear will come up and we will not run into fire and things like that. They are good things. But there are times when your emotions can be used the wrong way. And so even if you are feeling it, go contrary to your feeling. You see, uh, uh, forgiveness seems to be a very dicey topic because people don't know, okay, if I say I've forgiven her, why don't I feel that I've forgiven her? But you live and walk by faith. The feelings will follow later. But behave as if it is really over. And as you behave like that over a long period of time, your feelings will just conform to your walking in the Word. Amen. Amen. So tonight, may our minds be transformed. Amen. And depend on God. It is not just your faith and your meditation of the Word and your trusting God. There's a place that has nothing to do with you. It is just of his message that we are not consumed. The Bible didn't say it's of our vigilance, of our being so good, of our watching out, of our walk of faith that we are not consumed. It says it is of the message of God that we are not consumed. So sometimes things are going a certain way. The person you are living with is, is behaving in a certain way, such that these should be the consequences. But because of the message of God, you will not be consumed. Learn to come to that place of supernatural provision. That place when things don't depend on you all the time. The Bible says the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. You think that maybe your sister is going too far. She has become very wild in the house. Oh God, save her, save her, save her. And that God is not really doing what you are saying. And the Bible says the Lord knows. The Lord knows. And if the person is godly, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. It's not your way. So but why is he doing this? I said, no, no, you fall into temptation. Why is he doing this? You may have your mind, but you can stand on the verse that says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Amen. Now what do we do with our bodies and our spirits? Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If we are going to behold some women... Our bodies must be put on the altar. And that means that your feelings, let him hold me, he loves me, and all these things, they are real. But the manifestation of them is not now. You see, Jesus was there before creation. But God manifested him later. In the same way, there are certain things that God has put in us. Like love, sexual desire, all that. But the manifestation must be at the right time. That's why the Bible says, to everything there's a season. You know, and if usually you do not obey God's word, Satan uses that to plant a seed. Let's say you have a beloved and uh, you are doing things you shouldn't do. When you get married and he says, oh, tonight I'm staying late at the office. Is he having something? Is he doing something? Because he did it with you. So you feel that he's capable. So the seeds of trust are withdrawn and mistrusted. So, but Satan will not show you that. Oh, I'm good. this is my plan. No. And so God gives us all these guidelines and principles for our own good. And then the spirit must always be fed also with the word of God and with the speaking in the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth or buildeth up himself. 
All the things that God has given us in the Bible, prayer, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the blood of the Lamb, is all to give us abundant life. Not that he needs us so much that he has given us these things so that we'll just be using them as nursery rhymes and then he'll be happy. But he wants us to lead victorious lives. Daughter, this evening, bring your emotions, bring your will, bring your intellect, bring whatever you are battling with to the altar and let it be crucified. You may cry a bit, it may hurt a bit, but beyond your pain, there's life. Beyond your pain, the promises of God are there. And may you come to the place where you can be a stable and a total and wholesome woman tonight. May every stronghold over your lives be broken. May the spirit of unforgiveness, broken relationships, bitterness, and everything let loose so that the power of God can come through for you. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.